How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. How's it going, Bears fans? Nicholas Moriano here from the Chicago Audible. As you can see, I am your one and only host. Right now, at the time of this recording, Will is making his coaching debut. So hopefully, you know, by the time this podcast is over, Will and I are talking about a, you know, first victory of his coaching career. But I'll definitely have to catch up with him uh, when that happens. But until then, you have me. And you also have two other guests I decided to bring on for this podcast. And our first one is my former professor at DePaul and current Chicago Sun-Times reporter, Patrick Finley. So hope you guys enjoy the conversation, and then we'll introduce our second guest. We have a special guest for today's show. He covers the Bears for the Chicago Sun-Times. He's a Mizzou grad, and he was my former professor at DePaul. We have the one and only Patrick Finley. Patrick, how are you doing today? Am I violating any sort of uh, HIPAA law if I say you were a really good student? Am I allowed to do that? I don't know, but you already said it, so we're going to go ahead and keep that, and there's nothing that can be done about it. So, <laughs> But it, it's uh, that was an interesting time, too, because we I was really looking forward to being in person, but since with the COVID-19 and everything, you made the best out of it. It was a really good class, but now we're back on again, so this is uh, this is cool. <laughs> no, I, I was just gonna say you guys made it. Uh, you guys made my life really easy in that. Okay, enough. Uh, enough niceties. Go. Ahead. <laughs> yeah. Before we um get into talking about Bears training camp and what's been going on there, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on on the statement that the Bears sent about an hour ago, and also how the Bears organization as a whole has addressed maybe making the voices other players heard and just support it throughout the times. What, is, what are your thoughts on just those kind of aspects? Not the football football, but everything kind of outside of it. I think they, they had been really good about this. If you look at the statements written and even the ones attributed to George McCaskey, the Bears chairman, you know, when George Floyd was killed, they said George Floyd was killed. They didn't say, you know, vi- you know, violence in the streets. They didn't use any of these euphemisms that most other uh, companies, corporations use. They actually came out and said, you know, this is what happened. Uh, I was a little disappointed by the statement today. Um, it's hard as a reporter to put stock into, you know, a couple paragraphs that are attributed to, quote, the Bears players. I mean, those are, what, 80 guys. But when we talked to the Bears players ourselves in recent days, it's clear that uh, they're passionate about 
trying to find some sort of social justice here. Uh, it, it's clear that they're angry the way that I think most uh, people are angry about this. And it's clear that Matt Nagy has told them to try to use their influence in a positive way. I don't know what the next step is for them, but when you hear guys like Charles Lano say, I want to go to Kenosha, like that's, that's powerful. And I'm curious to see what their next step is because their first step today was just a statement saying that they planned on doing action. Yeah. And I mean, this is a really a unique time to be covering sports from, you know, COVID-19 to the Black Lives Matter movement. There's just so much going on. So what has it been like to cover the Bears during this time? During specifically to the Black Lives Matter, to George Floyd, uh, to Kenosha, those things. It's clear that the stick to sports idea is just dead and buried. I mean, it's not... uh, it's not even a consideration anymore that players would uh, bite their tongues with issues of this magnitude. Um, players, I don't think, are afraid of what their bosses think anymore uh, when it comes to them maybe coming out on a different side of a political issue than the owners of the team. Uh, George McCaskey seems to be in lockstep with them, but I know in other franchises that's been the case. So it's been it, it's been interesting. It's been uh, the players have power now. And- Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com way that they didn't even five years ago. What is it like covering them in the coronavirus? That's a that's a whole different story. Uh, practice has been the same but different. Um, I am in a group of media that actually gets coronavirus tested uh, in case we need to go indoors to cover the bears. So uh, I've been doing that. But even with that, you know, a ball bounced away in the middle of practice the other day and landed at my feet and I threw it back in. And later I found out that uh, they don't like people touching the football. Uh, because you never know whether you might give the football coronavirus and then the coronavirus might end up with other people. Uh, So, you know, we're we're all just trying to find our way through this strange time and and the Bears have gone gone above and beyond, I think, with their own players and trying to keep them safe uh, and trying to make sure that they stay safe. And uh, that will be the big challenge once the season starts. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys have done, again, a great job covering training camp. But let's let's just get this out of the way, Patrick. What's it been like covering a quarterback competition? And who do you believe has the upper hand? Is it Mitch? Is it Nick? Is it anybody really at this point? But what has that all been like? I think Mitch has been better more days than Nick has been better to this point. Uh, I think that neither of them have been good. I don't think anybody has run away and hid with this job which I thought the best case scenario for them would have been Mitch runs away with it. You know, uh, then you've got Nick Foles in the position where Nick Foles has been a, a, a star as a backup quarterback. <laughs> and, and I think the best of both worlds would have been Mitch makes an emphatic statement. Nick Foles is there uh, to come out of the bullpen when they need him to take over if somebody gets hurt and to be the best backup quarterback in football. I, that's what I you know, think they were hoping for. That hasn't happened yet. 
you know, I wish this were a regular off season because, you know, we've watched whatever it is, seven or eight practices in person in a regular off season. We would have watched OTAs. We would have watched, uh, you know, some of mini camp. We would have watched uh, training camp for multiple weeks. We'd have a lot more of a database uh, ourselves, but it's, I think Mitch is ahead and it feels strange to say. Yeah, I, I, I can get that. I mean, do you think he starts week one, though? I think I think they have a scrimmage on Saturday at Soldier Field. I think that is giant. And I, uh, I know it's silly to build up a scrimmage that nobody's going to be able to see. Uh, but it's, it will be our first, I think, our first and last decisive test over, you know, who, who does well uh, under the lights, uh, as it were. I, if I had to bet right now, I think it'd be Mitch. I think as of right this second, the only way, if the season started tomorrow, the only way Foles is the starter is if the Bears put stock in his career, not in his last couple of weeks, because his last couple of weeks have been inconsistent, um, just as Mitch's have, but I think Mitch has been a little better. Gotcha. And has there been, and to get away from maybe quarterback talk, because I know you probably get asked that question every single time. Um, has anybody stood out to you that maybe you weren't expecting in this training camp? You guys have only, you know, been there a limited amount of times, but has anybody just kind of stood out that you weren't anticipating? Oh, that I wasn't anticipating. Uh, you know, the Jimmy Graham hype train has left the, <laughs> left the station, but you know, he just looks, I mean, you forget he's six, seven, there aren't too many six, seven people walking around. Uh, he just looks imposing. Uh, I'm not saying that has any relevance on whether he will be great uh, when the season starts, but in practice, he certainly looks to be as advertised. Uh, I, you know, there's some kind of bottom of the barrel guys or bottom of the roster guys that that I have found myself liking. But in terms of who's going to make a big impact on the season, Roquan Smith, I think, looks fantastic. Uh, I think that... Uh, Alan Robinson looked to be his normal standout self until he hurt his ankle. And, you know, the next couple of weeks are going to be really important for him because, you know, the clock is ticking. We've got about two weeks for Alan Robinson to get a contract extension. And if he doesn't, uh, he will be playing in a walk year. You know, granted, the Bears can give him a, a, a franchise tag next year if they want to. That's probably not the best financial decision. But if he doesn't get a deal, he may, I mean, it'll be complicated. I think uh, his emotions going into this final season. Yeah. We know Ryan Pace likes to do those things first week of September, but if he doesn't do this, like that would be, be alarming for sure. But you mentioned, you mentioned the tight ends though, Patrick, and there's a lot of buzz around them. Then we hear reports that they are having a stellar camp. Is it too early to get excited about a position group that was arguably the worst in the league last season? No, because all they've got to do, you know, if they're just average, that is such a major leap from what they had last year. And, and I think you can make the same argument about the quarterbacks, too, is if you just give me the 18th best position group in the NFL and it's going to be a, a big leap. I, you know, I've liked Graham, uh, you know, Komet looks good. Uh, we'll see, you know, on Komet, you know, you got to warn people, especially that inline tight end position. You got to learn all the blocking assignments like a lineman. You got to learn all the pass routes like a receiver. That's really tough to learn uh, in your rookie year, much less in a short year like this. So, uh, you know, we'll see how he handles uh, game action. Even guys like J.P. Holtz, Eric Saubert, I mean, they've all looked good. And I wouldn't be surprised if they kept five or six of them. Uh, 
and that's that's amazing in itself when you consider that what at this time last year the Bears had one tight end who is now still on their roster I think I think that's it yeah. uh, they've had this major turnover and a lot of them seem to be doing pretty well Sticking with the offense here, Patrick, um, with David Montgomery expected to miss two to four weeks, which I think is still a little bit optimistic, how do you think this injury kind of impacts Cordell Patterson's role in the offense now? I joked in, I don't know, March, that I thought Cordell Patterson could be their second best running back. And, and, you know, they moved him over. You know, he's doing, you know, it's no secret he's doing a lot of work with running backs now. I still think he might be their second best running back. I don't know whether the charm of him goes away if you have to use him regularly. Um, you know, there's some, there's an element of being a gadget player there that I think uh, would, uh, would disappear if he was your every down guy. I wouldn't sleep, this sounds, it's a sentence you didn't think you'd hear today. I wouldn't sleep on Artavis Pierce. I think the undrafted running back from, Oregon State might be more versatile than all the other guys they've got. And if you're just looking for somebody who can do a little bit of everything, maybe it's him. Uh, I think we're looking at a committee probably, especially if it's only a couple of weeks. And one of the things to consider, the Bears could go shopping and they could go try and find a running back who's still on the street. But just the the act of getting him in the building, the act of him having to pass two coronavirus tests in four days, the act of him having to learn the playbook. Uh, we're getting really close to the start of the season by the time that guy is up and running. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe he knows what he's doing by the Monday before uh, the Lions game. I, I just don't know whether that's worth it if you only need to patch for a couple of weeks. So we shouldn't be expecting Ryan Nall to finally make an impact on his team. I don't know if you get this all the time, Patrick, but our listeners love their Ryan Nall. And they're waiting for it, but no, you're not expecting Ryan Nall to make this impact now? And he might. I mean, he could be part of that platoon. He's been so good in the preseason. And, you know, I think I say every year, you know, if the preseason meant anything, Ryan Nall would be, you know, would, would get 10 carries a game during the regular season. I don't know how reliable he is to do more than run between the tackles. Uh, I, I know the Bears like him. I know the Bears have spoken well of him. There's a reason he's stuck on this roster for a couple of years. That doesn't really happen uh, unless the team thinks they can use you. I, I just don't know that he's – if you're looking at the number one, I don't know that he's the number one. That makes sense. Um, you know, now to go to some journalistic type, type of questions here, Patrick. Um, what was it like asking Khalil Mack questions while he was on a Peloton? <laughs> you should ask a TV person that because they, I'm sure, did not appreciate it. Uh, we hadn't talked to Khalil Mack since uh, the, December 20th. So I would have talked to Khalil Mack if Khalil Mack were on a Peloton, if Khalil Mack were on a rowing machine, if Khalil Mack were in a steam shower. I, you know, it didn't matter. We were just happy to get him. Uh, it's not unusual for him. And, you know, you hear his teammates talk about all these Zoom meetings they had to do, you know, all off season, you know, whether it was position groups or the big meetings they did or when they brought in, you know, Doc Rivers and all these guys to talk to them. And they all say that Khalil Mack would work out during the Zoom meeting. So, you know, I might be sitting here just staring, you know, at my laptop uh, in my office, but Khalil Mack would literally be like lifting free weights in his house with his, you know, camera on him. Uh, so that's, 
that's just how he operates. I, I'll tell you this. He's looked just, he's always in phenomenal shape. But even How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. More so now. Uh, he's excited about his little brother being on the roster, which may sound like a small thing, but um, especially during the coronavirus, especially when it may be hard for him to see family and friends, it's hard for all of us to see family and friends. I think he's appreciated the fact that he could have somebody close to him uh, both at his house and, and on the team. And because of that, I wouldn't be shocked if Ladarius made the practice squad just for that. Um, he, and he seems pissed off to borrow a Virginia McCaskey line. Um, he, last year was not what he thought it would be. And I wouldn't want to have to mess with an angry Cleo Mack. Let's put it that way. No, I, that doesn't sound like a, a win-win for anybody pissed off Khalil Mack. And one more other, other question about, I guess, covering Bears training camp. What are the vantage points like? Have, do you have to use binoculars a bunch of the times? Because I know they've done a lot of you know, restructuring there at Hallis Hall. But what is it like covering it in the vantage points that you guys get? Uh, I, uh, because I was telling you about this tiered situation, uh, I'm in a little different spot than most of the reporting group. Uh, most of the reporting group is uh, kind of on a, on a near sideline uh, with a three or four tier uh, um, bleacher setup, like, a li- like you'd see it like a little league field, that sort of thing. Uh, so that enables them to stand up and maybe be able to look over some guys. Every once in a while, I'm not going to lie to you, every once in a while, I just end up staring at the backs of offensive linemen for 20 minutes because that's where our little group is. Uh, the Bears some days are closer to us than others. Um, but again, you know, I, I hope I don't have my sports writer card taken away from me. But, you know, they're playing football. We have jobs. Everybody that we know of is healthy. Uh, it, it's easy to complain, but it's also hard to complain. Yeah, I get that. I mean, with everything going on, um, but you'd want it to be better. If it could be, it makes sense. Um the next time you guys will be at practice, like you said, is going to be on that, that Saturday scrimmage, correct? That's going to be the last and, and final time for training camp? Is that is that what it's sounding like? Yes. Yeah. Um, the Bears are going into kind of game week mode a week early. So, yeah, yeah we'll uh, we'll do the scrimmage there. And we'll be able to check in on practice for the next two weeks, but not nearly as uh, long as we uh, usually can during training camp. And this scrimmage will be telling, I think, not just because of the quarterbacks, but – you know, there's no – say what you will about preseason games. In preseason games, most of them are horrible. But there's a dry run element in there that is important. You know, the Bears, you know, you know, I, I don't believe they're doing this for the exhibition, but for preseason games, they, you know, they'll stay downtown at the hotel. They stay at downtown. They'll take the buses. You know, they'll send the early outs out. You know, they sh- that shows rookies and new veterans kind of here's what our routine is. And there's a value to that. So some of what we're going to see at the exhibition is just going to be a, okay, this is what it feels like to play a game here. 
this is, you know, Nick Foles doesn't know where the locker room is, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, shoot, Nick Foles is still, I mean, Nick Foles as of two weeks ago is still learning everybody's name. So uh, there's, there's value there beyond playing. And then when it comes to the on-field thing, this is as close to a preseason game as they're going to have. So if you're, you know, player 60 through 80, uh, this is your probably one chance to make them think twice about you. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be an important practice and can't wait to get the updates. But Patrick, thank you so much for hopping on real quick. Um, Make sure to follow Patrick Finley on social media at Patrick Finley, all the updates, articles, always great stuff. And it was great having you on Patrick. Hey, anytime. Hopefully you guys enjoyed my conversation with Patrick Finley. Always good to catch up with him. I've learned so much from him over the few months I've gotten to know him. But before we move on to our next guest, I want to make sure to give our shout-out to John Stegmeyer, who sent in a donation. Hey, John, thank you so much. Will and I greatly appreciate it. We couldn't be doing this show without people like you. So, again, thank you. And if there's anybody that wants to get their name, their shout-out on the next podcast, here's how you can make that happen. You can send in a donation through Venmo or PayPal. And on Venmo, the username is at the Chicago Audible. Should see my name and should see the Chicago Audible logo. And through PayPal, it's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. And this next guest, you should have remembered his name, Mason West, a guy that always donates to the Chicago Audible podcast and just the best dude, so knowledgeable. And obviously, we're going to talk about David Montgomery's injury and at the time of the recording, we didn't know the severity of it. And today, on Thursday, came out that David Montgomery is about two to four weeks. Uh, that's what the time span is going to be. But Mason has so much insightful knowledge on the injury. What are the you know the best case scenario, the worst case scenario? So I think you guys will definitely enjoy this conversation. And here we go, my conversation with Mason West. We have Mason West here, who is a physical therapist at Team Rehabilitation in Barrington, Illinois. Mason, how's it going, my man? Not too bad. You know, just another Wednesday. But, you know, it's always great talking to you. But, again, wish it was under better circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you have been on the podcast before with Will, but that was just audio. This is this takes it to a whole new level with the video portion. And I think it just adds another kind of element to it. And before we went live here, I again, I just want to thank you on the podcast for being so flexible because I literally texted you not even an hour ago saying, hey, can we get you on the podcast? Then I text you a little bit later, can we make this a video portion? So again, Mason, thank you so much for being so flexible. Yeah, of course. You know, at the end of the day, we got to get this content out, all the the Bears fans out there that need it. Got to be flexible on top of it because, you know, we, we people want to hear this stuff, right? So let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of, uh, again, we're fl- we're being flexible. Everyone at House Hall is being flexible with everything going on there. So it all kind of works out together. But we'll get right into it, Mason. And I just kind of want to know, what was your initial reaction when you saw David Montgomery go down, when you saw that video kind of surface all over Twitter? What was your initial reaction? So, of course, you know, the first thing is you just see some of those tweets where it just says, hey, non-contact injury, and you get those alarms like, oh, please don't be an ACL tear. Uh, and then you finally see the video start to surface and it looks almost, you know, like a little bit of non, that not too consequential, right? A lot of us have done that, whether it's, you know, we're walking outside on the ice or we're playing a sport and we have that kind of a slip. Um, 
And when you really look at how he went down, it doesn't seem that that bad. But when you really break it down, that there's a lot of stress, a lot of force going on um, right in that, in that left leg specifically. Yeah, so I mean, when I saw it, I'm like, well, it kind of, again, trying to put this in the best way possible, but it looks like more so the ground kind of gave out before his leg, and then he kind of has that awkward fall. But Matt Nagy told reporters that it is, in fact, a groin injury. But what exactly does that mean, Mason? You, you I saw you tweeting as the, the video kind of surfaced. What's the worst-case scenario? What's the best-case scenario? Tell us a little bit about a groin injury and all the different avenues it can really go. Yeah, there are – it's a pretty broad term when you say groin injury. Uh, if you go to the best case scenario, it's really just a strain of the adductor group. Uh, simplest way to look at it, it's the muscles that are in the inner part of your thigh and will actually pull that leg in or add to your body in a way. That's a way you can remember which group it is. Uh, just like any other strain, you can get a grade one through four. Grades ones and twos, not too bad. Just some disruption of those muscle fibers, pain, inflammation. Got to give it time to heal, strengthen all that stuff. Uh, and then as you get to grade three, it's a partial tear that definitely takes longer. And then grade four, which is more of a complete tear. You don't really see those too much. Uh, grade four is when it comes to the adductor group, cause it's such a big muscle, specifically the adductor, uh, longest and adductor magnus as they come up and attach to this pubic bone or basically your pelvis. Those are really the best case scenarios. Worst case scenario. We're talking more of a sports hernia. That's going, not a true hernia. That's a bit of a misnomer. Uh, like a regular hernia is when you actually have uh, some of the viscera so like an intestine for example that might protrude through the core musculature and obviously that's a huge deal but when it comes to a sports hernia the actual name for it that most of the medical community likes actually is more um, athletic pub pubalgia which basically means an athletic pubic pain really is where you look at it there's usually a big imbalance between the core muscles, specifically a lot of times the oblique muscle and those big adductor muscles. Usually they're, they can be very strong and tight actually. And so when you have this big pull and, and over elongation, like we saw with David Montgomery, there could essentially be a tear where that big adductor muscle meets some of those oblique and core muscles. Now that's usually worse because your core is part of everything you do, right? No matter what you do, you turn, you cough, you walk, you talk, it's, it's working. So usually those tend to be more on the surgical route. At this point, we're not necessarily sure what it is. He's got to do a lot of imaging and they're obviously get checked out, but you know, fingers crossed, it's not a sports area it's just your traditional groin strain. So what would be the timetable? Like, Again, we don't know the severity of the injury. Everyone's different. Everyone has a different body in dealing with injuries. But from just going from a strain to a sports hernia, what's a timetable we could be possibly looking at for, for a recovery time? If we're looking at your, your traditional strain, that's going to be somewhere probably in the four to eight week mark. Um, and of course, too, like you said, everyone's body heals differently. And then there, when you talk about sports, there's a difference between being hurt and being injured, right? Um, the true injured aspect of it's going to be in that two to three week range and then it's about okay well how productive can you be like because you can't play through it a bit um but you also now have to look at the long-term consequences because you have someone for example like trey burton he had a lot of that groin issue and everything for the playoff game it lingered and he was never the same player so you don't want david montgomery return too early hence why you kind of push it more towards that six to eight week if you're talking more a sports hernia where you're going to need surgery, that's going to extend it significantly now more towards eight to 12 weeks. 
uh, and that's after the surgery happens. So that's going to miss it. That would be large, large, large chunk of the season there. And then you talk yeah. about position too, that it's a very different position where it's very dynamic in terms of the cutting. Um, that's what, how it happened, right? You know, trying to stick your foot in the ground, ground kind of gives out on you. This over elongation of the muscle wasn't ready for that force. And, you know, you get an injury. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we all know David Montgomery's a guy that likes to make a lot of cuts on the football field. That's kind of his game. So just hearing what you have, you know, about the injury, the recovery time and how it affects position, again, not the most encouraging thing, but we got to see what the severity of the injury is and, you know, exactly how David Montgomery is going to handle that. But it seems like these groin injuries are affecting a number of Bears players in this camp. We had Eddie Pinheiro, who's dealing with, and I quote, a little bit of a groin injury. Weird how they, they kind of put that there. But you also have David Montgomery. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, David Montgomery, obviously. And then also Josh Woods, all dealing with some type of groin injury. What's up with that? Is that just something, again, with a a constricted training camp and also one that's accelerated in the same aspect that you're going to see a lot of these lower body injuries. Yeah. In general, when it comes to football, it's going to be more lower dominant over upper, just due to the nature of the game, the power that's needed, you know, it's quick, it's quick and explosive. The average football play is seconds long. And so it's a lot of force generator over that time. When you talk about specifically some of the, that groin injury, it is much more of about being a stabilizer. So when you talk about, let's just talk like the core in general, I like to talk about kind of like a like a soda can, top of that core being your diaphragm, bottom being the pelvic floor, and then the sides of it being your transverse abdominis. Now, if you, you can stand on a soda can, no problem, because it's nice and strong. But if you poke a hole in it, you stand on it, that can's gonna collapse on you pretty quickly. And that's what can happen when you don't have a properly trained core. And then that's going to now make those other muscles, like such as the adductor in this case, maybe even hamstrings. We've seen a couple, not necessarily with the bears, but across the league, some hamstring issues, uh, quadricep, right? Uh, Gerald McCoy had the rupture of his quadricep tendon. Those have to work significantly harder. That can happen, especially in this situation, because of the general deconditioning some of these guys came in with. You know, obviously there were some instances where we saw these crazy workout videos for players. Some people were coming in in great shape, but it's just not the same thing. Uh, running, you know, lifting heavy is not the same thing as running routes on the field. You know, a lot of these guys may have not been doing some of the workouts on grass and they've only been within the confines of a more uh, controlled environment, things like that. And so that's why we're seeing so many of these injuries is that it's just not, they didn't have the sport specific training necessarily that they would have in a traditional off season. No, that, that makes complete sense there, Mason. Uh, let me just ask you this. Obviously we all knew this, this, NFL season was going to be different were you kind of expecting to hear something like this eventually happening whether it was on the Bears or you know any other team were you just kind of expecting like big names are going to go down at some point because again everything accelerated every they're not getting the proper maybe on-field work that would be typical for an NFL season were you just kind of expecting that at this point yeah and uh it's it's really interesting you know as from a selfish perspective I'm in a couple of fantasy football leagues and it's one of those things where just in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know what? You got to have you bear your backups for your backups for your backups because knowing that regardless of position, regardless of caliber of player, there's going to be these instances. We have no idea who's going to go down next, right? And that's why something as silly as what seems like having two kickers on your roster this year with, you know, with the Bears, it's, it's very important whether you're talking about COVID, someone testing positive or these little nagging injuries. You don't have time to have to worry about all right who's my backup for these positions and so 
whether you're talking about the NFL, NBA has had, has had a lot of injuries in their playoff runs. And even we're seeing a lot in some of the more youth athletics or uh, that's going on right now. Like right now, baseball is really big in Barrington and you're seeing a lot of kids with elbow and shoulder injuries because they went from zero to 60 in terms of throwing just a matter of time. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but I mean, this is kind of what happens when we're trying to accelerate things, get sports back. That's the repercussion of these things kind of happening. But Mason, um, in terms of I, there are there have been some other injuries. I just kind of want to get your your opinion on them. We know that Akeem Hicks and Allen Robinson have been out. I think now this makes the fourth or fifth straight practice in. There could be veteran days off. Matt Nagy's not going to say too too much, but Akeem Hicks a quad injury, Allen Robinson ankle. They Matt Nagy's saying, hey, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. But if this kind of lingers on a little bit longer, they keep missing days. And look, what September thirteenth. That's the Lions, Detroit Lions week one. Are you a little worried if that continues to happen throughout training camp? I would put those two on pretty different trajectories. I would be less concerned about Allen Robinson, more so because of kind of the style of game he plays in terms of how he does his cuts. It's He's a tactician with it, even more so than a pure explosion speed kind of a guy. Um and it's not yet, you know, luckily, but they're both veterans too. So it's not like they're missing a lot of the playbook and stuff like that. So at least we're good on that perspective. Um, but it is a very short period of time even for Allen Robinson. I mean, it's just a couple weeks away. And to say that he's going to be at 100% for that game, it really depends on where he's at now. If he's at a 60, 70% now, then no, he's not going to be at 100% most likely. But if you're saying, like you're saying, it's more veteran days, we're just like, hey, you're at 80, 90%. You're Allen Robinson. We don't need to see you run a go route. Like, we know what you can do. Then it's not as big of a concern. In terms of Akeem Hicks, and I talked about this a little bit with Will, whether it was uh, Akeem Hicks, Paul Nichols, anytime you see these lower extremity and these big guys, it's something you kind of, you know, turns on your radar a little bit, like what's going on here, because that's a lot of mass to move, and they're just big, strong guys. Uh, and quad, in general, a lot of athletes tend to be quad dominant. They don't use their hamstrings enough, and there's just a lot of pressure on that knee, and that's essentially if you look at that Gerald McCoy situation, right? That's what happened to him. So you really do have to look at managing potentially his minutes. I wouldn't be super surprised if all of a sudden game time comes and we're like, well, why isn't Akeem Hicks out there necessarily the amount of snaps that he normally would be on a week one of any regular season. Uh, so it's just something to keep in mind as that's going forward. Gotcha. Again, not maybe not the best thing to hear, but you're giving us the actual reality of what could happen throughout a season and what these injuries could mean for you know star players for the Bears. Mason, just one last question going back to David Montgomery. Let's say best case scenario is just a strain. Is that something, though, throughout the season that can't get better, right? I mean, it doesn't seem like that would be something, okay, David Montgomery, as much cut as he makes, everything he does, it's not going to get better, right? Better is relative, right? <laughs> will he be able to play, and will he be able to play at a pretty solid level? Absolutely. That's that's not a, a huge concern. But he's probably going to, throughout the season, be having to work on that rehab process, right? He's going to be have to be in the training room. He's most likely going to have to be doing some of those rehab-esque things um, to just keep it in line. And you just have to be ready to whatever the Bears are doing, whether they're sticking with the running backs they have, whether they're diving into some of these guys that are free agents. Be ready to say, okay, well, maybe he's not going to handle the necessary the workload he envisioned him handling uh, overall. But again, it's relative. Most likely, you know, it's not going to be a hundred percent. But 
how many football players are at 100% the whole season at the end of the day, too. So um, once he comes back, I would be relatively confident that he'll be able to finish the season. Okay, that that's encouraging to hear. Especially again, it all depends on what exactly severity is, but you know, hopefully, best case scenario is just a strain. He's able to play through it because I think I tweeted this earlier. Like, if you take David Montgomery out of that running back room, it gets really sketchy as to who's going to be that guy. What's your opinion on the matter? Do you think they bring in somebody? What What do you kind of see the Bears doing here at the running back situation if Montgomery's not, you know, full go? It really depends on what the actual injury ends up being. If it is more of a long-term surgical thought process, I'm thinking you're looking at the free agent market um, just to have a guy who's been there before uh, in that kind of a load. I mean, Tariq Cohen, right, he's not a between-the-tackles going to take a lot of, big, a lot of workload. Cordero Patterson did a little bit with the Patriots. You know, it wasn't so really sustained. And then some of your other guys, I mean, you have no idea. Ryan Nall's a big guy that might be able to pound away, but – you know, and Ryan Pace seems like he loves him. He brings him up in almost every press conference without anyone asking. Uh, Artavius Pierce is a big unknown, but he's shown flashes. But they haven't been there before. So do you go out for a Devonta Freeman who's out there who's been there, done that? Yes, he doesn't necessarily have a lot of on the tread compared to what it was before, but he's done it and he's been a lead back. Um, but if it is more that four-week, five-week, you could, you could get away with the backs you have, you know, running back by committee and – uh, just hope that whoever the quarterback may be can also help out with some of the, the passing game. Yeah, absolutely. And Mason, it's always great to talk Bears football. And if, yeah, if we were to go to the quarterback discussion, that that's a whole podcast in itself. But um, yeah, so I guess we'll just have to wait and see. And at the moment of this recording, this is Wednesday, the day that David Montgomery did sustain his injury. We'll see what happens tomorrow if any more news comes out. But before I let you go, Mason, do you want to plug yourself and let people know where they can find your work and just find where they can contact you at? Yeah. Uh, so if you, you know, if there's any questions, I'm always free to you know, answer some stuff. If you need to get checked out yourself, I'm located in Barrington, Illinois, uh, team rehabilitation. There's a couple of clinics spread out through the Chicagoland area. You know, each one's got its own little flavor. I think that we do a little bit more of the athletes. My uh, clinic manager actually does a lot of golf stuff. So if your golf swing needs some work and who's doesn't uh, hit him up, Jeremy Smith. But uh, you can just find it if you Google Team Rehabilitation Barrington. Um, you could also find me on Instagram. You plugged that before. It's dr.masonwest underscore sports BTV. And, you know, we can get you, get you hooked up. Awesome, Mason. Thank you so much for, again, being flexible first time video podcast portion so excited about that but yeah we'll probably bring you on hopefully it's uh maybe better news you know to bring you on but hey you 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 obviously have the knowledge and it's always insightful and i know our fans will appreciate it but thank you for hopping on yeah of course you know at the end of the day i wish uh my professional knowledge was maybe not the sad stuff we get to talk about <laughs> but uh maybe like you said in the future it'll be more just celebrating some bear wins you know absolutely thanks again mason Thank you. All right. That about wraps it up for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that. You know, Will and I always like to bring on guests when we can, and we'll definitely look to do that in the near future as this 2020 season kind of rolls on here. We'll probably get an update from Will, how his first game went on the next podcast. Don't know exactly when that'll be, but with the football season, you know, vastly approaching, I'm sure it'll be soon. But until next time, Bear down, Chicago. Bear down.